Matt Higgs, the FF Educator, here to break down my rookie wide receiver projections here for the top guys in the 2023 rookie class. 13 rookies ended up in my top 75 wide receiver projections, so that's what I'm going to break down on this episode. If you want full access to my projections as well as the Rookie Big Board, you can head on over to patreon.com slash rookiebigboard and get access to those now for as low as $3 a month. Also gets you access to the Rookie Big Board Discord, where we can break down all of this content and talk through things like trade advice, roster building, draft advice, It's a great time. It's a really active community. I encourage you to get in on that. Now, without further ado, let's get into Jordan Addison. He's the wide receiver 15 in my seasonal wide receiver projections, and he is by far the highest projected rookie wide receiver. I have Jordan Addison coming in at wide receiver 15, just slightly behind Christian Watson and just slightly ahead of T. Higgins. Now, the Minnesota Vikings offense is a pass-forward, pass-friendly offense. Last year, they threw the ball 670 times, and I'm going to hold that projection here this season. And if anything... What may happen here over the next couple weeks, and I should preface, I'm recording this in early June. It's a little bit of a lead time compared to when this episode is going to come out. What's probably happened is that Dalvin Cook's gotten cut, and there's even more emphasis on the passing game moving forward. Justin Jefferson is obviously the wide receiver one in this offense. I have Justin Jefferson with 174 targets, 8 touchdowns, uh, 1,700 receiving yards, 26% of the market share. He's going to lead the way, and folks, that's perfectly fine. With a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, who's going to throw the ball over 650 times and is going to throw over 30 passing touchdowns, There's plenty of opportunity for him to support two wide receivers, and that's where Jordan Addison comes in. Addison is going to have the luxury as a rookie wide receiver to play opposite of Justin Jefferson, which means Jordan Addison is never going to pull top coverage. It's going to be very friendly for him to get into space, and that was something he was already really good at at the collegiate level. So I have him catching 66% of 134 targets. That's 20% of the market share. Again, folks, 6% less than Justin. Justin Jefferson. That's significant. I'm not expecting him to be the wide receiver one on his offense, but he doesn't have to be because those numbers still build out to 1,100 receiving yards. And I think if he comes in at a modest six receiving touchdowns, he's going to be right there as a borderline wide receiver one. Now, Jordan Addison is a deep field stretcher, which means he could get those receiving touchdowns closer to nine or 10, but I decided to proceed with a little bit of realistic expectation. Now, of course, TJ Hawkinson is factoring into this offense as well, and he'll certainly get his 113 targets, seven receiving touchdowns in my projections, but I don't expect that to negatively affect Jordan Addison uh, in any way. 
So let's go ahead and transition to Jackson Smith and Jigba, which is a much messier rookie projection. Now I have Jackson Smith and Jigba currently projected as the wide receiver 41 in seasonal value, and he is my second highest projected rookie wide receiver, which is not what any of us want to hear, and it is ultimately why he ended up as wide receiver two for me in this rookie class, because we know how much emphasis and how much value swing there is on the immediate production that a rookie puts out. So I do expect JSN to be the wide receiver two and potentially the wide receiver one on the Seattle Seahawks offense in 2024 and beyond. But in 2023, we need to proceed with realistic expectations here for an offense that does have both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But even more concerning for JSN's projection is that Seattle is a run first offense. And I think it's important to to center JSN's projection in that idea. Now, last year, the Seattle Seahawks threw the ball 570 times. I have that down to 530 this year. I think them drafting Zach Charbonnet was a clear indication that they want to run the ball more and they weren't happy with the depth of running back health last year. Remember, it was Rashad Penny, it was DJ Dallas. These guys couldn't stay healthy. I think Pete Carroll wants to run the ball first. And so I have them running the ball more this year, passing the ball less this year. DK Metcalf is going to lead the way pretty handedly in this offense, I think, one way or another. I still have him at 25% of the receiving share and leading the way in the offense with seven touchdowns. Now, I do have Jackson Smith and Jigba as the next highest wide receiver in terms of volume projection and in terms of overall projection. I have JSN catching 65% of 95 targets for 775 yards and six touchdowns. Now that's 18% of his offense and 95 targets for a rookie wide receiver is good. But again, six touchdowns does feel like a pretty generous offering here for him. Remember, not only is there Tyler Lockett here, but you also have Noah Fan, Will Disley, who for better or worse, they want to get involved, especially when it comes to the red zone, right? So you could chalk up six touchdowns to those tight ends, split it up however you want. I don't know if we're going to see any DS Gridge this season, but I know that he is still a part of the room and certainly somebody who they invest decent draft capital in that they want to get on the field. Uh, but I think the main competition for JSN for targets is going to be Tyler Lockett, and we're going to see where they line those two guys up compared to to each other but I have Lockett here at 84 targets so just below him 712 yards and four receiving touchdowns so it is Metcalf JSN then Lockett but Lockett is still going to be relevant enough that he cuts into JSN and again an offense that's gonna want to run the ball first I think especially in the red zone right we're talking about Geno Smith at the helm of this offense and I know Geno Smith had a good year but folks let's be realistic about what Pete Carroll wants to let Geno Smith do right especially again in the red zone. It's going to go through Kenneth Walker. It's going to go through Zach Charbonnet. And then they're probably going to be looking to get the tight ends involved as well. So I like JSN. The projection is going to be even more friendly next year. But as a rookie, let's proceed with some realistic expectations. Now, this is the one I'm probably going to get the most questions on. And honestly, this is still fluid. And that's Zay Flowers in the Baltimore Ravens offense. Expecting this offense to be more of an evolution than a revolution, right? And we've seen a variety of different iterations of Todd Munkin, and I think that's what's going to make this projection difficult. 
Further complicating things, of course, is that Lamar missed some time last year, but I'm going to have it at 525 passing attempts to start, 550 rushing attempts for this Baltimore offense. It's also never been the fastest offense, right? So that's always a piece that folks forget about with the Ravens offense. And quite frankly, the Ravens offense is consistently the worst understood offense I have found across fantasy and Twitter and the fantasy community. But thankfully, as somebody who lived in Baltimore for five years, I've followed the offense pretty closely and it's helped me avoid some uh, mishaps in the offense, you know, a la guys like Rashad Bateman, for example. So let's talk about where Zay Flowers fits in versus Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, these other guys. It's important to start here by saying the offense is going to be run through Mark Andrews. I don't think that's going to change. If anything, that might get elevated because Todd Munkin has a pretty good reputation when it comes to tight ends. 21% of the passing share for Mark Andrews, 60% catch percentage, that's six touchdowns. 793 yards. So Andrews will lead the way in both targets and yards, not touchdowns though. I'm being friendly to Rashad Bateman and giving him seven receiving touchdowns uh, and giving him 18% of the market share here. That's 94 targets. And then we're going to get to Zay Flowers. I have Zay Flowers at 84% of the targets, 72% catch share, but a lower yards per reception. Zay Flowers, just 11 yards per reception. I think folks need to understand that Zay did do it uh, downfield, but he also did it at the line of scrimmage last year. And when you look at what Zay brings to the offense compared to Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham Jr., and Mark Andrews, I do think that they're going to want to keep that A dot a little bit lower than fantasy folks would love to see, right? Um, but balancing that out here is that you do have the potential for Zay Flowers to run the ball as well. And I have him projected for 16 rushes, and I have him finding the end zone one time. Uh, add that on to his five receiving touchdowns that I have projected, and you you do have a pretty solid fantasy football rookie, and I have him just behind Jackson Smith and Jigba at 42. There's a little bit of a run here of projections with rookie wide receivers. Odell Beckham Jr., at this point in time, I'm projecting him as the wide receiver three in the offense, just in terms of volume. I think that he's going to have some really big plays, and he's going to have some really big weeks, and we're going to be excited about it, and I think in terms of being an NFL wide receiver, he might look more like the wide receiver one or wide receiver two some weeks, but I I think over the course of the season, the consistency is going to fall more with Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman can get his as well. If I add targets to Odell Beckham Jr. as the offseason goes on, they're probably going to be coming away from Rashad Bateman. I think Zay Flowers has a little bit of insulated value in that way. Now, this next projection might get me in a little bit of a heat. It might give me a little bit of homerism. But I do have Jalen Hyatt right there at 43. And I think Jalen Hyatt has every opportunity to take advantage of a lack of wide receiver one in this Giants offense. So the Giants threw the ball 520 times last year. I have him bumping up to 545 times, keeping those rushing attempts at an even 520. I do think, you know, to a degree, they're going to want Daniel Jones to sit in the pocket more. Now that they've paid him, they probably want to see him flailing outside of the pocket a little bit less. Uh, But he's going to have to figure out which one of his wide receivers he's going to throw to. And folks, this is a small wide receiver room and it's a wide receiver room that just is not established, right? We're looking at probably the top five guys being Jalen Hyatt, Paris Campbell, Wandale Robinson, Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton. That is, of course, on top of Darren Waller. And I do think the offense is going to be run first through Darren Waller. So I have Waller at 92 targets, uh, 17% of the market share, 
Then I have Jalen Hyatt, the next guy up at 15% of the market share. 81 targets. I have him catching uh, 66% of those. Jalen Hyatt, uh, you know, didn't get a lot of hype for his hands coming through, but he had good sticky hands. He found himself into space consistently. And I think I understand why the Giants, you know, were so keen on Jalen Hyatt because Daniel Jones is not somebody who is the most pinpoint accurate guy, right? And so if you have a wide receiver who can get into space, it's going to give you a little bit of flexibility there when Daniel Jones is throwing off target for you to still get the ball to your wide receiver. And I think Jalen Hyatt is going to give them that opportunity. Here's what's going to be the difference maker, right? And here's why the projection is so high for Jalen Hyatt is I have him projected at 15 yards per reception. Now that's going to reflect his big playability that he showed in college. The question is going to be, was that the Tennessee offense or was that Jalen Hyatt? I think the answer is yes. I think it's a combination of things. So the question is going to be, can Jalen Hyatt bring that explosiveness out of a really explosive Tennessee offense and plug it into, let's be honest, a less uh, exciting New York Giants offense? And I think he's going to be able to do that to a degree. And I have met six receiving touchdowns. That's going to lead the way. But I do have Wandale Robinson at 14% of the market share. And I do have Darius Slayton at 14% of the market share. So these guys are getting, you know, seven less targets than Jalen Hyatt in my projection. They're right there with them. But I think Wandale Robinson's downfall is going to be a short A dot. Don't know how many touchdowns he's going to get. And Darius Slayton, I think, is, is going to be low on the touchdowns, right? And so that's where I think Jalen Hyatt can pop in this offense and where he can slot in as a wide receiver four for seasonal value. Next up here is another guy that I really like, and that's Marvin Mims. Now, Marvin Mims's projection could really swing, and that would swing in a positive direction, despite the fact that I came in pretty hot with a positive projection on him already. And the way that this could improve is if a guy like Jerry Duty or Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick actually does get dealt as Sean Payton has consistently, it seems, threatened, or at least the Denver beat has picked up on him threatening that over the last couple months here. Uh, so when you look at the Denver offense with Russell Wilson at the helm, they threw the ball 571 times last year. I've been throwing the ball 550 times this year, running the ball more this year, 475 times. Um, and just because I think they're going to want to switch up the offense a little bit. I think P. Ryan's going to get his early in the season, and when Javante Williams is back and healthy, he's going to get his his as we get into the mid and late season. So then when you go and look at the passing offense, I do think if the depth chart holds as it does right now, it will start going through Jerry Judy, but not by much. 93 targets for Jerry Judy, and then I have 88 targets for both Cortland Sutton and Marvin Mims, and then 77 targets for Greg Dolchich. So all those guys are in a pretty similar volume projection. You have Jerry Judy at six touchdowns. I have Cortland Sutton at four. I have Marvin Mims and Greg Dolchich at five touchdowns. I think folks might forget that Marvin Mims can push the ball downfield, so I'm at 14 yards per reception. And overall, that's going to balance out to about 8.5 half PPR fantasy points per game. And as I mentioned before, that's right behind Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers, Jalen Hyatt, Marvin Mims. Those four guys are all next to each other in my projections. To put that group of guys in the context of other wide receivers, you have Calvin Ridley, Alan Lazard just above them, Gabriel Davis, Jacoby Myers just below them. So none of these guys are, are you know, seasonal all-stars right off the bat, right? But they are definitely guys that you're going to want on your roster, and they're definitely guys that are going to make an impact on your fantasy football team. As you get down the stretch, you need to fill in those flex spots and injuries pile up. Next up is Jaden Reed, and he doesn't fall far behind. He's going to be just after Gabriel Davis, who's just after Marvin Mims. So you could see kind of a real condensed here of the 
second round rookie wide receiver picks and even of course Jackson Smith and Jigba being a first round rookie pick. Now Jaden Reed, it's going to be really fun to see how this Green Bay offense shakes out, but I do expect Reed to play a pretty big part in the passing game itself. So last year Green Bay threw the ball 563 times. I have Jordan Love at 540. I do think they're still going to want to throw the ball a good bit, even though I do also have the rushing attempts bumped up to 475 for them. I think the offense is going to start by going through Aaron Jones and then they're going to look for Christian Watson on the outside. And then they're going to figure out, is it Jaden Reed? Is it Luke Musgrave? Is it Tucker Craft? Who's the next guy up? And I think Jaden Reed playing opposite of Christian Watson is going to have the opportunity to take advantage of some softer coverage. I'm at 13.5 yards per reception, six receiving touchdowns, 65% catch rate. And I definitely think he's going to end up being the second highest volume guy, the second best target in the Green Bay offense. He's going to slot in right as a borderline wide receiver four. And just like I mentioned with the previous group of guys, I think he's going to have the ability to especially as the season goes on, they get more comfortable with him in the offense. He's going to be able to be a steady producer in your fantasy football lineup and only build on that projection moving into the next season. Now, next up is Jonathan Mingo. He's wide receiver 49 for me, so we're starting to get deeper into it. I'm just a little confused on Jonathan Mingo. I got to be honest with you. It's not my favorite fit in terms of draft pick. He has high draft capital, but it's certainly higher than I thought it was going to be. And I think Carolina is really looking at it here. And they're saying, you know, what can we give Bryce Young? We want to give him a variety of weapons. So we give him Adam Thielen, the possession guy. We give him DJ Chark, the downfield guy. We give him Terrace Marshall, who has the opportunity to be a little bit of versatile inside, outside, hopefully stretch the field if everything can click there with him. We give him Hayden Hurst, an athletic tight end underneath. We give him Ian Thomas, who's more of a tight end to blocking tight end underneath. And then let's give him Jonathan Mingo, right? Because Jonathan Mingo has the athleticism. He has the ability to be an ex-boundary guy. But I don't know if he's an ex-boundary guy right away. But I do still, all those thoughts, all those players baked into the equation I do have Jonathan Mingo with the second highest target share in this offense and that's 90 I'm just not sure about the catch rate we've seen really good Jonathan Mingo hands on tape we've seen less good Jonathan Mingo hands on tape so I have him 60% catch rate. That's a little bit low, but it's not totally off base for what a you know a, a rookie wide receiver that you have taped question marks on. That's a pretty pretty solid catch percentage there. And then the touchdowns. What are the touchdowns going to look like? I have met four receiving touchdowns, folks. Jonathan Mingo could end up being a wide receiver too. If he clicks, if the chemistry is there with Bryce Young, he could absolutely end up having a smash rookie season. His wide receiver value will go skyrocket through the roof. So if you want to get in on Jonathan Mingo, like you're justified there with Bryce Young, I totally understand it. Jonathan Mingo could also come out and be a wide receiver six. You know, uh, like, so a wide receiver six, right? Uh, Not overall, but in the wide receiver six range, that'd be like wide receiver 84, right? So he could totally wash out depending if that chemistry doesn't click with Bryce Young, they'll go back. They'll add a first round wide receiver next year for their young uh, quarterback and they'll pair it up that way, right? So I think they took a shot on Jonathan Mingo. It's either going to work or it's going to not. I don't like that type of projection. That's not super optimistic for me. Uh, But if you want to go Jonathan Mingo, you know, he does project in as the guy that has the opportunity to contribute right away. 
Now, Cedric Tillman is up next here as we kind of move towards the bottom of this projections episode. Cedric Tillman will be interesting. I definitely think he's a player that will be a better year two projection than a year one projection, but I do expect him to take over that Donovan Peoples-Jones volume. Uh, whether it's the exact same role, I'm not exactly sure yet, but let's start here in this offense, this Cleveland Browns offense. They're going to pretty much hold even. I have him throwing the ball 20 more times, running the ball 20 less times, but that's a slight adjustment here, really just as Deshaun Watson gets a full season of play in, but I don't think they're going to forget about Nick Chubb, and by the way, folks, I like Jerome Ford, definitely in on him. I think he's going to rotate in with Nick Chubb and get a decent amount of action as well. Looking at Amari Cooper, 123 targets. He should be far and away the dude. He's going to lead the team in yards with 993. He's going to lead the team in receiving touchdowns with seven. Then Elijah Moore is going to be up next with 89 targets, but Cedric Tillman's not far behind him for me. 78 targets. I have Cedric Tillman with a 64% reception share. 652 receptions, or 652 receiving yards, I should say, struggling through this projection. Apparently, in five receiving touchdowns, those five receiving touchdowns is what can help him be fantasy relevant this season. Moving on to Indianapolis here, we can talk about Josh Downs. Josh Downs is uh, at wide receiver 60, which isn't a terrible projection. I know that sounds low, but that's Alec Pierce, Mecole Hardman, Curtis Samuel territory, so still in the range of guys that can be relevant here. When you look at Josh Downs, it might take a little while depending on how he builds that chemistry with Anthony Richardson and how quickly Anthony Richardson gets on the field. But I really like the fit for Josh Downs into Indianapolis. He can really sit there in the slot and stretch the field, play along the seam or sit underneath and just kind of take what the defense gives him because you have Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce pulling the defense towards the boundary and off of him in other ways. And then you have a set of athletic tight ends and guys like Jelani Woods uh, and uh, Mo Alley-Cox. And then, of course, the rookie athletic tight end that they drafted, whose name I'm forgetting. There's a lot of guys in this offense. Kylan Granson is in there kind of as an H-back type role as well. You know, there's just a lot of opportunities to create space for Josh Downs, and we saw what Josh Downs was able to do at North Carolina when space was created for him. So I have him at 86 targets equal to Alec Pierce, now much lower yards per reception than Alec Pierce. At 10.5, that's going to equal out to just 589 receiving yards. The question will be the touchdowns. Can he play along the seam and get those receiving touchdowns? We'll see. I've been projected at three. That feels like a pretty safe projection and one I'm comfortable with here. Now, another projection that could really swing in a few different different ways is Tank Dell playing for Houston here. Tank Dell has the opportunity to come in right away and be the wide receiver in the offense. That's not the projection that I have for him. I have him, you know, mixed in here as wide receiver three. I have John Mechie and Robert Woods with more targets, 84 apiece. But then I have Tank Dell with 67 targets, so not far behind. A lot of this here, when we talk about these rookie quarterbacks, it's really going to be who do, who do they click with? Where's the chemistry, right? That's going to be a big piece of how things play out. The thing to keep in mind with the Houston offense and why Tank Dell is mentioned at the end of this episode, despite the fact that I said that he could potentially be the wide receiver one in his offense, I just don't think there's going to be a ton of passing touchdowns. We're looking at a rookie wide receiver in an offense that really struggled with an offensive line that's still developing, right? So Tank Dell, three receiving touchdowns, that's probably just about right. I was going to say generous, but that felt mean. And now you're probably listening to this episode. And if you're a Quentin Johnson truther, you're probably really angry at this episode because I haven't mentioned his name yet, but don't worry. His time has come and we'll spend a little bit of time talking here about the Los Angeles Chargers first round draft pick. Now the Los Angeles Chargers offense, it is good. 
for the passing attack, which means it is good for the wide receiver. 711 passing attempts last year, just a, swipe, a slight tweak down to 690 this year. But it will start with Keenan Allen, and it will start with Mike Williams, right? So you look at these two guys here, uh, they're going to combine for 38% of the market share. I have 20 for Keenan Allen, I have 18 uh, for Mike Williams. Uh, I have Mike Williams with six receiving touchdowns, five for Keenan Allen, uh, of just north of 1,000 yards for Mike Williams, and just about that for Keenan Allen as well. So the question is, where does Quentin Johnston fit into this? And the biggest reason that he's going to drop below them in projection is that I have him at 60% catch rate and 82 targets. So 82 targets is pretty strong still. I think those targets are going to be slow to start and will build over the course of the season. And folks, quite frankly, I think a 60% catch rate is generous to Quentin Johnston because he could easily see himself 55% or below based on what we saw on tape with those hands. And I have four receiving touchdowns. I have 13 yards per reception because a lot of folks who are excited about his ability to work downfield aren't realizing that a lot of that was yards after catch at the college level and yards after catch just does not translate for fantasy projections. It's one of the reasons that I've been cautious on Quentin Johnston all the way through. So just 13 yards per reception, just four receiving touchdowns. And I think Gerald Everett is going to be just as much of a factor in this passing attack uh, that Quentin Johnston is. So that's my realistic projection for him right away. Two more guys I want to quickly touch on, and that's Rashi Rice. Uh, Rashi Rice, of course, with the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a kind of a messy projection here because you could easily, you know, list Rice. Uh, MVS, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, and say, take your pick of the guy who's going to get the most targets behind Travis Kelsey. But at the end of the day, I think it's important to keep in mind that rookie wide receivers tend to come on slow in this Kansas City offense, which is why we could actually see a lot more Sky Moore than Rashi Rice this year. But I think as the season builds on, we'll have the chance for Rashi Rice to be playing along the boundary, potentially get some uh, receiving touchdowns. Uh, but it's going to be a, pl- a pretty fluid projection. And if you were to ask me right now, I would put him as wide receiver three in that offense here then we're going to go ahead and finish things up with a name that is kind of more of a dart throw but definitely want to get a lot of questions on and that's Michael Wilson so Michael Wilson of course drafted to the Arizona Cardinals I have him at 65% catch rate on 69 targets that's going to be tied for third in the offense between behind Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore the big question with Michael Wilson is who's throwing him the ball right and so that's why I only have 12.5 yards per reception and three receiving touchdowns once we know for sure who's throwing him the ball and when we're going have a better idea of if we can bump up that uh especially the targets in the red zone that's going to be the big thing if he could be a touchdown type guy otherwise i think michael wilson is a really athletic prospect and we're just going to sit there and lean on upside for now there are other rookie wide receivers that i think could have the opportunity to be fantasy relevant as rookies and have some pop guys like puka nakua uh, guys like at perry Guys like Parker Washington, but I kind of had to put the cutoff at some point, and Michael Wilson felt like that good point because I wanted to sneak him in to this conversation as one of the 13 wide receivers that I have projected in the top 75 of my seasonal projections. If you want to see these projections broken down by team, it's not just rookies, it's every player as I've been talking through here. And you could see each individual team tab. If you want to head on over to patreon.com slash rookie big board and get access to those projections as well as the discord, as well as the rookie big board rankings starting at $3 a month. Again, patreon.com slash rookie big board. And folks do me a favor. If these episodes are helping you out, if they're helping, Helping you understand the dynasty value, the seasonal value, the rookie value, 
helping you work through your rookie drafts and, and work trades in your dynasty leagues, do me a favor and just leave a five-star review on your favorite pat- podcast provider. Whatever you're listening on, a five-star review will help more folks listen into these episodes, build up the rookie big board community. I would greatly appreciate that. And I greatly appreciate you checking out this episode of the Rookie Big Board. 